may be seated. Could the parents and the family of Preston Martin Okamoto come forward, please? If the elders and wives could join us. Paul and Summer, do you promise in the presence of God, your friends and family, and this church body to do your best to instill in your child the values and teachings that will lead him to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray daily for your child? Do you also promise to entrust him to God's care and offer him to God for his service and ministry? Father, we just thank you so much for blessing Paul and Summer with a man-child, <laughs> a baby boy, Lord. Thank you for blessing Yvette and I with a grandson and Zane and Jamie with a nephew. Father, we just lay hands on him, dedicate him to you, Lord. Symbolically, Lord, we present him to you today here in your house. We ask you, Lord, to give him length of days, prosperity of health, bless the work of his hands, the thoughts of his mind, his intellect, even his finances, and bless his children, we pray, Lord, should you tarry in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this Father. We ask you, Lord, to bless him with wisdom and guidance. Bless the work of his hands. Bless his ministry as husband and dad. Lord, we just pray in the mighty name of Jesus you would bless his uh, future, his finances, and his leadership in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for summer, for this mother. Lord, we pray you bless the work of her hands. Bless her ministry as a wife and a mother. God, thank you, Lord, for blessing her with her first child. We just rejoice today in Preston Martin's entrance into the world. In Jesus' name, we dedicate him to you, Lord. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Bless you. First Timothy chapter 6. Verse 1, I just want to read the chapter. Let's just read it. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor so that the name of God and his doctrine or his teaching may not be blasphemed. In other words, serve your employers well so that your witness has weight. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. I have a friend who has a business who's a believer, and he hires believers sometimes, and sometimes he's blessed, and sometimes he's not so blessed. All right, verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine or teaching which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Jesus Christ who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man can see, no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be, may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. If you're an American, those last three verses speak to you, because compared to the world, you're, we are all rich. Amen? O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would apply parts of this word to us today that are relevant. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on our call for commitment to contentment. God just doesn't want you to be contented because he loves you and I want my children to be contented. No, as a Christian, you have a responsibility to guard your contentment. We must be committed to be contented. It doesn't just happen. You sometimes have to fight for it. Who knows that's true? So our text that I'm drawing most of this sermon from today is verses 6 through 8 of this same passage. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. A missionary named Wayne Myers used to say, I've never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Now, there's contentment robbers out there. Sometimes you've got to guard your contentment. But being content is important. And I believe as believers, we should be committed to being content. But what does it mean to be content? Well, let's see what the man on the street says. What does it mean to be content? Content. Man, that's out of my vocabulary. Ooh, what does it mean to be content? Contentment. I don't know. Just to be satisfied. I guess being satisfied with something. Find, a, I guess, an inner peace with yourself. Being uh, happy with who you are. Not let your wants outweigh what you have. I guess it means to be happy. Not really want anything else, I guess. Uh, I guess it means um, 
alright with what, how you are? Being okay with what's going on. Not necessarily being uh, entirely happy about it, like having a positive sense, but also not having a negative sense. You're not worried about um, what other people think about you. Contentment is having Lord on your side. Are you a content person? Am I content? No, I don't think I'm content. No, I'm not content. No, I don't think I'm very content. <laughs> I don't think I'm very content, actually. Some days, you know, I'm happier than others. Are you content with your life? Not at the moment. Mm, sometimes. I would consider myself a very content person. That's it. Uh, yeah. I think I could be a better person sometimes. What does it mean to be content? The word contentment is defined as a feeling of being happy with what one has or is. Not disturbed by a desire for something more or different. This is contentment as in our peace is not disturbed by the present state of our life. You can be in prison and be content. If you know that you know that you know that God is on your side, the story is not over and all things are going to work out for good. Synonyms for the word content mean satisfaction, gratification, or happiness. Satisfaction, gratification, or happiness. So we're going to speak today on our call for commitment to contentment. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When we are content, we conquer the temptation to covet. We are in a state of knowing we are blessed. And we know future blessings are coming. I mean, God has a track record in our lives. The story is not over. 2012, as Charles Dickens said in one of his books, was the best of times for some members of this church and the worst of times for other members of this church. And so it's my desire in this sermon to prepare us for 2013 to learn how to walk in contentment when things are great by having our contentment not dependent on temporary pleasures, but on the eternal. And for those of us that are going to face challenges we don't know we're going to face in 2013, that we'll walk in such contentment that our joy will not be stolen, our hope will not be smashed, that we'll stand in faith regardless of what comes or goes. I'd like to speak to you this morning on four roots for discontent and 16 remedies. We'll look at each root and four remedies to it. Please don't think, oh my God, I'm going to come out of here with a list of 16 things I have to do. No, one of these things can change your life. And I'm coming at you 16 different ways in an attempt to help somebody. The number one root for discontent is unthankfulness. That is, not appreciating our blessings. This is a sin. We are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his course with praise. Being thankful is foreign to a lot of people in the world. Our holiday Thanksgiving is being called by many Turkey Day. Just completely lost its meaning. Being thankful should be part of our culture as a nation, but definitely part of our lives as believers. So number one remedy for this root is to repent for yielding to this temptation. When unthankfulness raises its head in my heart, I know I must find a place to pray and say, Lord, 
forgive me. I realized I was unthankful. Number two, pray about everything with thanksgiving. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So being thankful isn't just an attitude, but it's actually an act. As believers, we are to pray about everything. And trust me, if things get tough enough, you will pray about everything. While we do it, we need to be thanking Him for what He has already done. And then thanking Him in advance for what He's going to do as we present these petitions to Him. That in itself will build a barrier against unthankfulness from getting a foothold. We need to beware of contentment robbers. What is a contentment robber? They are entitlements. You know, overseas they have what they call the ugly American. That's a guy demanding his rights because he's an American in a land where they don't have the same laws. Entitlements. We have entitlements here. You don't have entitlements other places. But even though we have certain entitlements according to the law in America, guess what? They're not guaranteed. People sin. People break the law. People lie. People steal. Things just go wrong. Another contentment robber is there are some commercials that just make you discontent with what you have because you want that. Whether they intend on it or not is not my point of pointing things out here today, but if they can get you to compare yourself, they can rob your contentment. And so the promise of contentment, like the carrot on the end of the stick that keeps the mule pulling the plow, will have you in debt before you know it if you don't watch it. Oh my gosh, the weather is so bad today. I'm so mad. It's my birthday. It rained all day. It's freezing cold. Oh my gosh, I had to wear a jacket. Just because Max Cool has a bigger car than me doesn't mean he can cut me off the freeway. What is the world coming to? I spent $75 on my haircut and he didn't even notice. Now that money is wasted and I can never get it back. Next he probably won't even notice my new shoes. That tip was way too much. Now I'm practically broke. Gah! If I don't have money, going to be able to hang out with cool people anymore. La tarea nunca tengo suficiente tiempo para terminar. Mr. Anderson siempre no me da tiempo, siempre me queda la time out. Tengo que terminar la escuela. Church is only one day a week. The day I want to sleep in and I have to get up at 8 o'clock. And the next thing you know, they'll be asking for 20%. Oh, pizza's done. I'm thinking of some other commercials like Have It Your Way. Build your own burger. Beware of contentment robbers. Make yourself a top ten list of things to be thankful for. I have done this so many times in my life. I think everybody needs to do it at least once a year or once a month. Oprah Winfrey has, for years, had what she calls a gratitude journal where every day she makes a list of five things to be thankful for and tributes it as a key to helping her take advantage of what she has and utilize it. You know, when you're not thankful for what you have, you won't enjoy what you have, and also you won't use what you have to its fullest potential. 
not thankful for your car. You probably won't change the oil as often. You probably won't be a good steward of it. Unthankfulness just breeds more and more things to not be thankful for. More and more reasons to be unthankful. It's a sickness. So I, I have done this so many times in my life, and it has helped me. I've done it because I was depressed, maybe, something like that. But the result of it is it creates contentment. It just does. Not reasons to be content, but, but things to be thankful for. You may think you're at the bottom. You're not. There's a whole other series of stories below where you're at. So stop right where you are, get a hold of yourself, and begin to thank God where you're at. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Number two, another root for discontentment is unrealistic expectations. Not embracing reality. Unrealistic expectations. A remedy to this is to allow yourself to enjoy what you have. Contentment has a key, and it's cherishing what we have and not what we want. When we cherish what we have rather than what we want, we will have contentment. There's something to be said for cherishing, appreciating. It's like another dimension of being thankful. Allow yourself to enjoy what you have. Well, I thought I would have more by this time in my life's history. Well, you don't. So maybe your, real, your expectations were unrealistic. Maybe the TV preacher lied to you. Maybe you got yourself in too much debt. The point is you are where you are. Enjoy what you have. And who knows what creativity may come up in your heart from the Holy Spirit. Secondly, beware of making unwise comparisons. When we compare, it's not wise. Now that I've one arm, uh, there's certain ways I have to adjust to doing certain things. Right away, she just started like doing stuff. Like she'd put stuff between her feet, and like it's like she hardly even like it didn't seem like she struggled that much. She took it really good, like compared to like a lot of people, I think. A lot of times, I would try things that I wouldn't be able to do. But I would just make sure I try them before I asked for help, and I wouldn't let people do it for me unless I gave it a shot. That was pretty cool. Little things like putting my hair up when it's hot out, and I have so many bathing suits, and I'm always choosing which one, and they always have to be tied, and I'm not the best person to tie them, so I usually get a friend or family to help me with that. She doesn't call it a handicap. I don't, I don't even know if I should use disability. Well, I realize I do get self-conscious sometimes. And when I see all these beautiful girls with, like, perfect body, perfect everything, it's like, ah. The way I deal with it is I know that beauty's not everything. And in your heart, you can be beautiful. And just do your best to ignore the fact that you're not going to be perfect. Bethany lost her arm while surfing at the age of 13. And talk about being tempted to compare yourself to others. She's 
tempted every day, and yet she learned to surf again. She conquered her fear of the ocean. She's moving on with her life. She expected to have a life with you know, all of her limbs, but her expectation now has three. But you know what? She's still here. She still has a life. So by learning to be thankful, she's practicing contentment. What an example that should encourage us all. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, We dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. When we do this, it'll do two things, one of two things if we compare ourselves to others. It could generate pride, a better-than attitude, or depression, a less-than attitude, inferiority. You are who you are, and your life is what it is, and God is who he is, and we can be content in him no matter where we are in life. We can. The Bible promises it. So comparing ourselves to others just isn't wise. Not good. We need to repent for rebelling against God's will. When I resent my life or resent people in my life, I'm rebelling against God. Those thoughts, those feelings, those hatreds, those resentments, those unforgiveness, those bitternesses are acts of rebellion. Embrace God's will, and he will bring you through. The whole blame game goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You know, did you eat of the tree I told you not to? The woman you gave me, she gave me to eat. Did you give him to eat? The devil made me do it. Always blame shifting. Fixing the blame doesn't help anything anyway. And being resentful just makes things worse. You know, I, I hate what has happened in Connecticut a couple weeks ago. And the pundits are all trying to fix the blame somewhere. Fact is, our country needs God. We can't, we can't fix it. And fourthly, if you don't get any other points in this sermon, this one's probably the most important one. Pray about everything that bothers you. Pray about everything that bothers you. In 1991, the spring of 91, um, Yvette and I went through a traumatic experience, betrayed by some people very close to us and our family. And uh, we were devastated. I was devastated. And I, I didn't know what betrayal was. I thought I was until it happened. And so all my contentment was gone. I was... I was miserable to be around, and we had to go see our pastor to get help, and the Lord brought us through. But during that season, I call it a dark season. I mean, I had to pray every day just to get up in the morning. On a sunny morning at Shady Grove Church, I, once again, like I'd been doing dozens of times over this period of weeks, I went to the front during worship and just knelt before the Lord and prayed about everything that was bothering me. And he didn't say, oh, that's okay, things are going to be better. He didn't do that. He gave me a glimpse of the future by speaking words to my heart that I wrote down in this journal. 
This brought peace to my heart that my life wasn't over. Yvette and I were going to make it. We were going to come through this. We were going to have a future. Just out of the blue, I, I wrote this down in my journal. These were the words. I want to speak to you about your grandchildren. And he spoke to me about three grandkids. One is going to be a missionary, a leader of the church in other nations, a founder of local churches, an equipper of saints. One is going to be a pastor, a mighty man of God with a heart that burns for children, men, women, and for the next generation. Another is going to be mine, to use as I will, uniquely mine and uniquely used, a woman of God like no other. Other pleasures shall be your inheritance. Oh, maybe there will be other grandchildren. (laughs) Just give up and let me live my life through you. Where your life is over is where mine begins. What I was going through was kind of a death. Death to self. Death to life the way I wanted it. And there came a fresh yielding to God. It's your life. I gave it to you years ago. Whatever happens, I'm going to trust you. And the assurance of grandchildren helped. It just helped. It just did. I don't know what you're going through today, but your life is not over. You have a future. But you need to hear God tell you this. That's why it's so important to pray about everything. And while we're praying, to be silent before Him. And let Him bring to your remembrance things He's revealed to you in the past or things to be thankful for that you didn't realize were so important. Or it could be a promise of your future or your great-grandkids. Who knows? Let your expectation be in Him and not in your will. Not my will, but thine be done. That is a model. Not my will, but yours be done. My will is that no one would ever sin against me or betray me. My will is that everything would go my way. My will is that I would have it my way. But that's not a realistic expectation. A realistic expectation. His will is going to be done ultimately. All things are going to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So no matter what it looks like, the story is not over. In the natural realm, the sun will go down. Will you lay up at night wondering, oh, is it going to rise again? Or if the sky is overcast, will you worry, will the skies be blue again? No. Same thing with your life. It's not over. You're just in a season. Number three, another root of discontentment is un. Belief. Can we say unbelief? Unbelief simply is not trusting God with our lives. We need to beware of being deceived. A deceptive thought is, if I have more, I'll be happy. If I have him, I'll be happy. If I have her, I'll be happy. If I have what I want, I'll be happy. Like a kid at the end of Christmas Day who's bored with his toys, making creative things out of the boxes the toys came in. That's how we are as humans. Beware of being deceived. 
trust God with our lives. Put faith in your loving Father. He cares for us. Let's trust Him. Pray with your whole heart. Don't just read a prayer or say a prayer, but there's something about praying a prayer. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's something about praying fervently with all your heart that opens yourself up to the Holy Spirit in new ways where His grace can come and help you. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews promises, and find grace to help in time of need because we have a high priest who's touched with our infirmities. He knows what it's like to be human. He became one. It's what Christmas is all about. So pray to Him with your whole heart and repent for a lack of trust. Hebrews 3.12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Our unbelief distances us from a close walk with the Lord. Unbelief keeps us from fully trusting Him. Unbelief keeps us in a mode of thinking we have to help God out. Unbelief robs us of contentment. Fourthly, unpreparedness. This is, this is coming at unrealistic expectations on another angle. Not being prepared for attacks, because we will be attacked. Tell your neighbor, you will be attacked. It just will happen from time to time. It will. Just like in the natural realm, our nation, if you go to the airport, is on guard at all times. It's a hassle. But for the assurance of our safety, we know we'll be attacked at some point when we're not expecting. We expect it. We're prepared. So when the attack comes, don't fall apart. Oh, my goodness, I got attacked. Now, just because you had a flat tire on the way to work doesn't mean you're attacked, except for your thoughts, all right? Tires are flat because somebody left a tack out. I guess you could say I was attacked. But the thoughts you're having while you're changing that tire, that's the attack. You're a loser, you're no good, blah, blah, blah. Don't wait, wait on an attack. Or you pray about the attack. But pray. I mean, Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Praying about temptation in advance. Praying about the evil one in advance. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So defensive and offensive prayer is so important. And repent for not being ready. Lord, I'm sorry for not being ready. Forgive me. In our text today, and be prepared to fight the good fight. In our text today, we also read these verses. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. And have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have 
confess the good confession. What is that good confession? The clue is in the next verse. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. What is the good confession? If you look in John 18 and 19, you see Jesus saying things like, my, he's speaking to Pilate. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. You say, rightly, I'm a king. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should be delivered, not be delivered to the Jews. But my, now my kingdom is not from here. Um, are you a king then? You say, rightly, I'm a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. His next appearance before Pilate, Pilate says, Do you know I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You can have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. So let me distill this good confession into a few statements. The good confession is that Jesus Christ is king. I don't care what happens or what it looks like or what it feels like. He's king. That's the eternal concept. It's the truth. It's a fact. His kingdom is not of this world. He came and brought the kingdom to earth. We're to pray that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he rules in his kingdom in the hearts of men, which brings us to our next point. We are all citizens of that kingdom. You have a dual citizenship. You're American and you're a kingdomite kingdom of God. It's a theocracy in the best sense of the word. And no one has power against us unless God allows it. In 1965, my parents and their four children, including myself, moved to Fossima Village, Liberia, West Africa where malaria was a problem. Slept under mosquito nets, took quinine tablets, nasty stuff. Faced all kinds of diseases and dangers. Part of the world that was called a missionary's graveyard. In fact, there was a grave on the, the base. And what carried my parents through that, what led them the courage to do that, is they had this word of wisdom. And this word was, when people would say, aren't you afraid? They would say these words. Nothing can happen to me unless God allows it. And if God allows it, good's going to come out of it. That which resists me only serves to make me stronger. Nothing can happen to us unless God allows it. Therefore, we can rest in His arms. Oh, I know you can blame things for, you know, if you had done this better or somebody had done that or this hadn't happened or that hadn't happened, this wouldn't happen. God's got it all under control. Story's not over. You're still here. You're still here. You have not been destroyed. You're still standing. Stand. Having done all to stand, Paul wrote, stand therefore. Can we stand? And can you lead us in stand? Father, we just thank you for your word. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you would help us to stand in contentment 
in spite of our circumstances. God, that we would be people of faith, hope, and love. People of courage and fearlessness and strong believing. Happy people, full of joy and contentment in you. Lord, we pray for those who are under their circumstances today. We pray, God, that you'd help them to stand up. And help us, Lord, not to condemn or correct, but help us, Lord, to come alongside our brothers and sisters, to lend a hand of encouragement in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those people that need to make a list of things that they're thankful for daily or every so often. I pray, Lord, we not forget this principle in Jesus' name. Help us to stand and worship you in our circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen.